This is the Harvest Baptist Church Fighter Verse Podcast. It's a Friday edition. I'm Keith Meyer. I'm honored to be a pastor and to be able to come together in this format to explore and apply scripture together as a church. Our mission as a church is to know Jesus Christ and to make him known. Jesus prayed that his father would sanctify his disciples in the truth and then said, your word is truth. So the word helps us in our sanctification. That's our progressive growth in the truth of God's word. It's a continued uh, being being set aside for his purposes, a growth in holiness and a development in the spirit. And we've talked about this uh, before, but I'm just going to remind you that uh, justification is the declaration of God that we are righteous. We receive that upon belief in Christ, that we're, we're counted righteous with the righteousness of Christ. That's, that's solely the work of God. Second, Um, we are glorified on that day when either we uh, pass into eternity and are reunited with Jesus or uh, he comes to collect his church. The the scripture says that when we see him, we'll be like him. And that too is the singular work of God. But then there's sanctification that happens in the meantime, which is uh, as we uh, apply our will, God works with our will and in us through the Holy Spirit, transforming us by his grace and for his glory and our joy. Uh, And so when we apply the word, when we read the word, we're engaging in that process of sanctification. Again, Jesus prayed that his father would sanctify us in the truth. And then he said, your word is truth. So knowing the word, hearing the word, applying it to our souls helps us in our sanctification. Thanks for pressing play and listening in. I'm glad that you're here. Our fighter verse for this week is from Philippians chapter two, verses eight through nine. And so the verse says, Uh, This is chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Well, I have some feedback here from uh, two people who've listened. Uh, I'm not sure whether to do this anonymous or to include their names. Again, this is the first uh, time we've done a Friday. I've done, uh, this is the third round of episodes, so uh, there have been three weeks of this. I've got two more recorded. I've got uh, weeks four and five recorded, but um, you know, I'm hoping that, that you guys will continue to, to, to give feedback and observations as you're listening. If, uh, if there's an implication for your own life that, that arrives, you say, wow, you know, this didn't get mentioned, but you can feel the spirit, you know, or you can feel... Uh, it's just, you're, you're like, I think this is there. Yeah, go ahead and share that. That's fine. Um, I, I want to point out, just imagine that you um, you draw a, uh, in two columns, right? Right, A, B, and C. A on top, C on bottom, A, B, C. And then, and then in a second column, right, X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, a, B, and C represent a series of applications. They are uh, they're direct applications derived from the text. They're indirect applications, which is something that, that I've either talked about or will talk about in the future. Um, so A, B, and C are either uh, direct, indirect, or, or they're principles, you know, biblical ideas that show up in other places or something that you, that, that you think like, this is timeless, but it's illustrated in this passage. So that's A, B, and C, right? Um, on the other hand, uh, you, you may you may see a principle in Scripture or or a, an indirect application or or a direct application that's not really there. 
you know, where, where, where we could say, Hey, that's wrong. Um, I think that for the most part, Christians are pretty good about this. If they're, if they're, they're being intellectually honest and not proof texting, they look in the text and they see things and they say, this is how this applies to my life. And those things you, you could draw a circle around A, B and C and say, these are things that are right. And then the X, Y, and Z, like those are things that are, are, are foolish, right? You know, they're goofy and, uh, and they're not really there in the text. They're not rooted. And so we, we need to be careful. Uh, we want to draw true and real applications that, that come from the scriptures that encourage our souls and help us. Um, I find that most of the time when, when people are applying scripture on the secondary level, uh, on that on that indirect principle, a lot of times what they're doing is they're they're responding to something that, that that's going on in their conscience that they feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking to them about and and they need to act on it and that's good um, that 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 is a good thing. So you may you may say, wow, I don't know if this is really there. That's fine. Go ahead and share that. Let's talk about it um, and we'll. You know, we'll 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 dig in and we'll talk more about it. So I'm super excited that we got some feedback this week. It's great feedback. Um, one one person mentioned that um, that that the um, that that it's a struggle to live the way that Jesus lived here, right? That he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, I, I was reminded this week uh, after the tragic. Uh, killing in Atlanta um, of the uh, the Asian women, the, the 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 police that has reported the police officer that was reporting, he said that the young man uh, he carried this out as a way of of ending his uh, sexual temptation. Uh, as I as I consider that, um, there were a number of verses that came to mind. Uh, but one of them was a, a verse from Hebrews that says that you have not yet resisted temptation to the point of shedding your blood, uh, not shedding the blood of others, but shedding your own blood is, is the idea there. Um, Jesus obeyed here, uh, to the point of death, even death on a cross. Uh, this is not a, 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 a surrender, a passive surrender and a, uh, an embracing of the inevitable. It took, it took intent. If you look at the gospels, particularly the gospel of John, Jesus begins his move towards the cross, uh, when he, uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead. And, uh, that's in John 11, but the things that he's doing in, in the early chapters are things that are pushing the issue forward, uh, pushing the conflict forward, what one of my professors called precipitating the conflict, uh, because he didn't like, <laughs> I said, this looks like Jesus is picking a fight. He said, I prefer precipitating the conflict. Um, it, it is difficult to have this kind of humility. Uh, and so, yes, we may struggle with pride, uh, as this, um, as this brother observed um, and it's, it's, it's very difficult to be humble and meek, had to have our strength under control like Jesus did. Uh, but that is, uh, that's the work of, of sanctification. We'll talk more about that as the, um, as the fighter verses move forward. Uh, Philippians 2, 8, 9 does teach us, as this brother observes, how to put away our pride and instead to do the will of 
God, and, and he observes that this is part of the agape love of the Lord. If you don't know, there are four different types of love in the conception of, of the Greek people. Uh, agape is one of those words, and it's a, uh, a word um, that, that describes a self-sacrificial love. Um, interestingly, this, is, this is, was at the center. Uh, I was just spending some time reading on this yesterday. Um, it's, a, it's a central concept to uh, Martin Luther King's Martin Luther King Jr.'s thinking that the idea that um, that until we are willing to love in a way that's self-sacrificial, we will we will not be able to express a love towards our enemies. Um, we will un- until we get to a place where we sacrifice our own priorities and our own way and our own will, and we simply do what's right for the good of. Um, our community, do what's right for the good of others, do what's good for the right of our enemies, do what's good for, for the will of the Lord, until we sacrifice our own priority and say, I love purely because it's doing the right thing. Um, we, un- until we do that, we're unable to uh, act in a way that truly brings about uh, the kingdom of God. It's very interesting uh, to me reading that. Um, you may be hearing in the background, uh, we're, we're doing some virtual school today. And so there's some celebration going on in the back. Um, I'm not sure what that is. Um, final observation here, um, from, from this brother, uh, is that, is that we don't have to prove that we're right. Uh, we don't need to, uh, accomplish our will or our way in order to have satisfaction and our satisfaction should be rooted uh, in knowing that God's will has been done, and I think that's good. I think that's fantastic uh, observation there. Um, part of the part of the rationale for for defending that idea that that we don't need to seek our own satisfaction that we that we pursue God's satisfaction is this: um, God saw fit to arrange it that Joseph spent years in prison, uh, years in prison. Um, he had no idea what he was doing there or why. In fact, everything about his circumstances was unjust. Now, he will later on say that, um, that, that what was intended by his brothers for evil, God used for good. Why? Because through his imprisonment, uh, even though it was frustrating and unjust, uh, first he was, he was taken as a slave and then accused of, of sexual immorality and jailed. Uh, he became master of the prison. Uh, he his his all of his works were blessed by the Lord, and he was seen to be doing uh, good and, and and great things. He was elevated to the second uh, hand man position next to Pharaoh. And what was he able to do? He was able to preserve many alive. He was able to preserve Jacob's tribe uh, and enable uh, by God's plan uh, Jacob. Uh, God used Joseph to preserve Jacob's tribe so that they could grow into a multitude in Egypt. Um, the evil of his brothers throwing him into a well led to uh, the preservation of his entire tribe from famine. Um, satisfaction should be found in living the will of God, not in necessarily getting our own way, right? Uh, another set of observations and feedback. Um, let me let me just say this too. Um I'm super encouraged that I got some feedback. I, you kind of wonder, is anybody gonna say anything? Um, but, but you guys did. And so I'm thankful. 
Um, you know, I realize it's going to take some time uh, for some people to make this a habit in their life and to to devote some time to it and say that it's worthwhile. Uh, I'm just super encouraged. So thank you. Um, I, I find this uh, this next uh, email, and it was it was longer. Um, there was there's more here, and that's totally fine. If you just want to send something. Um, you know, go ahead and do it. If you want to send a bunch of observations, that's great too. I really appreciate it. Uh, so there's a couple things here. Uh, I've got, I've got, uh, five paragraphs. Um, what's, what's interesting and one of the observations, um, and I think this piggybacks on the thing that we just, we just talked about is that, uh, the labels that were ascribed to Jesus in his life, that he was a criminal, that he was a blasphemer, that he was doing his work under the influence of demons. Um, is uh, that's in contrast to to what what God was actually doing, right? Uh, Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of servant, uh, and 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 he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The the Jews who would read uh, Philippians and even the Philippians would see um, crucifixion as a an extremely negative thing, not just because it takes your life, but it's a horrible way to die, and it's reserved for horrible criminals, and yet. Um, this is the means by which God brings Jesus to the cross. Right? I mean, he brings, he brings salvation into the world using the cross. Um, so, so even while the world may look and see foolishness and shame and criminality, uh, this is the plan of God. I, I related the fact that um, Jesus' humiliation and exaltation Right can can form a letter V where where he is uh, taking the form of a servant upon himself and embracing humiliation after humiliation right and 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 demonstrating his humility even uh, to the point of death on the cross but then so that's the first leg of the V but then when he is raised right that that leads to his exaltation where he receives the name King of King and Lord of Lords. Um, that that plan, each step of that was in the will of God. While some might say no, that's that's bad. Um, so we may get labeled wrongly. This is a great observation here. We may be called hypocrites, arrogant, uh, arrogant, holy rollers, uh, intolerant. Uh, but if we are living the will of God and acting in the way that He calls us to, we can accomplish His purpose. Uh, be as be be his servants and be confident that we're being obedient to his will. Uh, second observation here is that um, uh, the the idea of of uh, kingship is foreign to us, right? Um, authority, the kingship of of God, the kingship that Jesus receives, the the obedience are required. Um, and so uh, uh, the, the quality of kings on earth and, and Jesus the king is going to be different. He was confident that he would receive his reward. Um, he didn't need to maintain his reputation like the kings of earth did. If you've, if you've been watching the news recently, you'll see that uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle did an interview. Uh, with Oprah, and I didn't watch it. I just kind of watched the buzz on social media. Wow, all kinds of interest going on there, all kinds of things. You know, what is going on with these folks? Um, are they right? Are they wrong? Are they good? Are they bad? Is the British monarchy good or bad, right? There's all this discussion of, of, of image and maintaining honor. 
Uh, Jesus set all of that aside, and he, he worked faithfully despite the earthly attacks at his reputation. Um, how then should we respond, right? We've been told to have this mind in us. It means that we do the right thing for the right reason, uh, for the glory of God and for our joy, and we work um, and we, we live in the power of the Spirit, and we don't worry about the glory, knowing that the glory will come um, in time. God may exalt us in this life. He may not. Uh, God may, um, he may vindicate our name if we go through a difficult time, but he also may not. But he can be trusted that, that he is going to bring glory to himself, and he's going to use us. Uh, I think that's an amazing observation, um, that that uh, equality with God is not something to be grasped, right? That's what, that's what we're, we're told um, in, uh, in verse 6 in the context here, right? Jesus didn't hang on to his um, prerogatives or reputation. Now, we don't have equality with God, actually, do we? No. But we think we do, don't we? We know what God's plan is. We tell God all the time. If if we're honest, and maybe you don't, maybe you're maybe you're much more spiritual than me. But things happen, and I'm like, Lord, why? You know, like why did the car break down? Why is it raining today? Why is this happening? Why is that? I question God's plan all the time um, because I think I know better. But if we lay aside equality with God and we grasp the form of a servant, then we can trust that he is going to lead and guide us and exalt us in time. Now, here's uh, one last thing. I'd say this. Uh, be careful to avoid um, what, what, what I think we could call, um, I don't know what I think we could call it. Let's, let's call it uh Let's, let's call it a degrading view of the self, right? When, when you empty yourself and take the form of a servant, don't lay aside all of your dignity, right? You, you, you have dignity and worth as a human being. And Paul says that we're to judge ourselves rightly so we won't be judged. He says uh, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, right? Implied there, flip that around. It could say, the scripture does say, I believe, it teaches us to think of ourselves in a particular way. Think about it. Ephesians Chapter 2, verse 4, says that God loved us with a great love, and he raised us up to be seated with Christ. Uh, We're created in God's image. We have dignity and worth. All human beings do. But uh, we are not God and should not conceive of ourselves as the center of all things, right? Doesn't that, that make sense? So it's, it's not having a low view of yourself. I think that can be damaging and harmful that you, that you can think, I, I don't ever do anything good. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, well, not to rule the universe, but, but you have a role to play in, in your life. And so um, we ought not to chase our glory, but we ought to uh, retain the, the dignity and worth of our person, right? Um, and, and, and go and live uh, for, for God's glory. If, if you don't have a sense that you can accomplish something uh, by God's power because of God's image living within you, because, because you're loved, um, then you won't attempt anything. So it's, it's a right thinking. Um, 
And and throughout the Gospels, you can see Jesus. Um, he was in the form of God. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, right? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. But then look at the way that he lived. He lived with clarity of purpose. He lived uh, a, a spirit-driven life. He was he was inspired and moved by the spirit and, and empowered. And he he lived in a way that um, that that he felt free to speak boldly. Uh, he he served. He cared. We we can live in that same way as well. Um, third implication here is that uh, humility does mean embracing suffering. And yes, uh, we resist that. That's one of the observations that our sister wrote here. Uh, Jesus viewed his crucifixion um, as. Uh, as, as, as something joyful. Uh, we find this in the book of Hebrews where it says that he endured the cross. He despised the shame for the joy set before him. He, he set his mind to obey. Um, and so when, when, when we, um, we may pull back or shrink away from suffering uh, because of a, 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 a lack of, of, of a broader view here, but humility will receive suffering and say, this is part of God's plan for my life. Now, I think it's interesting uh, that Romans 8, 28 uh, and the passage where, where Joseph speaks uh, about what's going on in his life. Um, Romans eight twenty eight says, says that God causes all things to work together for good to those uh, who, uh, whom he loves and who are called according to his purpose, right? He causes all things to work together for good. It doesn't mean that all things are good, right? Paul, uh, rather Joseph said, what you intended for evil, God intended for good, right? What the brothers did to Joseph when they threw him in the well, uh, what Potiphar's wife did when she accused him of immorality for, uh, for failing to uh, follow through on, on, her, her, uh, on her temptation, right? Uh, those were not good things. They were bad things. Uh, the cross is a shameful, horrible thing from a human perspective. Uh, I just I commented on somebody's post on Twitter this week, um, where where I pointed out that um, that it was God's foreordained plan, right? Uh, it was consistent with God's plan that Jesus was put to death at the hands of wicked men. It was an incredibly wicked thing that was done. One pastor has described this as humanity's worst moment and God's greatest moment. Um, so, so we don't have to embrace suffering and say it's good and live in denial. But when we are suffering, we can know that there's redemptive purpose in it. We can know that, uh, that, it's, that God can use it to shape our will. Um, and that can be satisfactory to the soul. We can say, yes, this is good because it's going to produce good, not good in that the, the event I'm living through is bad. Does that make sense? I say that a lot when I'm preaching, I think. Does that make sense? Uh, the, the idea is we, we don't have to cross out bad when something bad happens. Right. You know, if you're driving along today and your transmission seizes up and your car is by the side of the road, yes, we should count it all joy. And we'll actually see that as a fighter verse uh, when we encounter trials and temptations of, of many kinds, knowing that uh, these these trials, right, they produce what character and endurance. Um, 
the testing of our faith produces endurance. But listen, when the car blows up, right, that's not good. <laughs> it's bad. It may produce good in us, but it's still bad. And it's okay. Like, we don't need to have all these hangups where we're like mentally erasing the fact that something's difficult or, or struggling. Um, so, uh, a, 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 another observation here, uh, this is in the form of a question, uh, I think, um, uh, Jesus takes on humanity in this section of Philippians. Humans are body and soul. The God man had a human body and a human soul. He had a typical, he had typical bodily requirements, right? Food, water, rest, and a soul with desires, emotions, preferences, and a will. Yet his body and soul were perfect. Could we say then that humility is a vehicle through which I can achieve dominion over my body and soul, thanks to the grace provided by God the Father? We don't deserve it, but grace is promised to those that see themselves as slaves to Christ. I would say this. Um, okay, so at my seminary, we we had a combination of, of theologies that led to the formation of the, the seminary. Uh, one was uh, came out of the, um, the, the the seminary founders' view of of the holiness movement, right? Which was that we can continuously walk in Christian victory, right? That we can we can triumph over our sins, and I believe this. Okay, so that's one one poll. Second poll is this. Uh, he also came out of a Reformed tradition. He was a, a Presbyterian. Um, that's where he was raised. Um, this is uh, R.C. McQuilkin, the founder of uh, CIU, the seminary. So uh, Presbyterians, Reformed, uh, Calvinists teach that we sin in word and thought and deed, right? That we are we are depraved, that we, um, we never achieve ultimate lasting victory over sin. And so there was this tension there, and I think it's a tension that we need to embrace in the Christian life. Can you reach a place where you are coasting, uh, you're on cruise control and you're not going to sin? I believe that's impossible. Um, you In in this life, we'll have tribulation. Paul talks about the fact that, that, that there's an ongoing continuous struggle in our lives, right, in Romans 7. And that means that we need to apply... Uh, discipline to our lives and, 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 and attempt to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which is what's coming, that we apply effort to our, 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 our obedience, right? So that's, um, that's, that's one of the things that, that, uh, that we believe that we need to press forward. But does that mean that we have no hope of triumphing over sin? Absolutely not. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, um, that, that no temptation has overtaken us except what's common to man, right? And, and that God is faithful, right? He follows through. He's with us in the midst of these normal temptations. Um, God is faithful. He will not allow, allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able. That's key. Think about that. In each and every temptation that we face, um, God is holding back the full impact of that temptation. Or another way to, to think about it is, is that in each temptation that, that is introduced into our lives, we're, we're able to overcome it simply by the way of, of, of how our nature works. We're not at the mercy of this if the Holy Spirit is in us. And so we can, we can push back and overcome. Why? Next part of 1 Corinthians 10.13 right? That uh, with the temptation, he has given us a way of escape that we may endure it. Um, that is 
powerful stuff right there. I can remember when my mentor first pointed this out to me. This is more than 20 years ago. He shared 1 Corinthians 10, 13 with me, and I wrote it on an index card. I broke it down into those five parts um, that, that uh, no temptation's overtaken me except what's common to man, that God is faithful, that he won't allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able, right? That's number three. But with the temptation, he'll provide a way of escape, so that I'll be able to endure it. That's his intention that I overcome. Um, so uh, grace is promised to those who are in need, right? We, we call out for help in the middle of temptation and God supplies it, right? We ought not to, to think like, will he give me the grace to survive? No, he always does. He's always faithful. That's why 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says, therefore flee from idolatry. And so uh, when when the temptation comes, we have all the resources we need and we run away. Um, so being humble enough, right? Uh, cultivating an attitude of humility that says that when suffering comes, when temptation comes, that I, that I step forward in the grace that God has supplied. Yes, absolutely a, a means of, 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 of achieving uh, dominion over body and soul, right? Which, uh, you know, the, our, our souls, uh, maybe the way to say, let me, let me step back and say this, our flesh is corrupted. Uh, we, have, we, have a, we have the desires of the flesh and our flesh is not renewed until we see Jesus. And so um, we, we need to contend with our flesh until the day when we're made new and renewed. And so uh, until then, we need to embrace the spiritual fight for holiness. Uh, finally, um, Jesus conquered death because he lived in perfect submission uh, to 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 the father um and uh and because he did that on the basis of what hebrew says uh, of an indestructible life god raised him from from the dead uh his soul was rescued from from corruption um and so because he's exalted and glorified to god the father that means that that uh when our human life when our human body dies and decays uh, our soul is still eternal, um, and 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 because of Jesus' exaltation, the fact that our life is linked with Him, we too will be exalted. Uh, we too can be exalted, right? Uh, because of of what He's accomplished on our behalf. Uh, so it's a it's a good reminder, right, to take seriously who our Lord is, to put our faith and trust in Him, and to, and to trust in Him. Uh, with with humility in the midst of all our trials, um, and uh, and I think that's great. Uh, these are these are great observations. There's a, a lot to uh, to think about. Um, feel free to uh, to to continue to to send in app, any applications about Philippians two eight or nine. Uh, maybe we'll go back. Um, but I'm going to finish up. Uh, this episode completes a first round of my hope and vision for the podcast. So thank you for your feedback. I hope you'll keep listening, keep sending in your feedback in the future. Uh, feel free to leave a comment on Facebook or Twitter. Please share and subscribe. You can learn more about Harvest at www.harvestbc. You can join our worship live stream Sundays at 1030 a.m. That's on both Facebook and YouTube, and you can get there using our, our website, 
consider joining us on a future Sunday so we can worship together. Have a great day. God bless.